You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Jets podcast for Monday, August 24th, 2020. I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com. And if you enjoy the show, subscribe to it on your favorite podcast source and leave it a good review. Hall of Fame running back Curtis Martin will be joining us a little bit later. Curtis was recently part of an initiative Pepsi took to help one fan build the ultimate tailgating experience at home. We will talk to Curtis about that, and we'll also talk to him about his career, what he's up to now, and some of his thoughts about the Jets and the NFL. It's going to be a great discussion. Before we get to that, however, we have some news to discuss from the weekend. It involves injuries because what else would we talk about when it comes to Jets training camp 2020? Over the weekend, I saw a tweet from Brian Costello of the New York Post that noted for Saturday's practice, the Jets only had 66 available players of the 80 who are on their roster. Jets have just been suffering injuries nonstop during training camp. But there was some good injury news over the weekend, and that is Avery Williamson and Ryan Griffin are off the physically unable to perform list, and Daniel Brown is off the non-football injury list. So that's some good news for the Jets. And the physically unable to perform list is something, is a list the players are put on at the start of training camp if they are physically unable to to perform, if they cannot practice. And you're eligible to come off it at any point during training camp. And if you don't come off it by the start of the regular season, then you have to miss at least six weeks. So Williamson, I think, is the most notable of these players. He is a starter for the Jets. Jets are going to be counting on him to be a high-end starter for this team. And, you know, it's interesting because all offseason there were rumors about perhaps the Jets look maybe looking to move on from Williamson. He is expensive in the final year of his contract. And, you know, if we're going to be honest, did the Jets really miss Avery Williamson badly last year? What does Avery Williamson really bring to the table? It's run-stopping. The Jets had an elite run-stopping defense last year. I think over the last few weeks, Williamson has become more valuable to this team because of the players that the Jets lost. You know, C.J. Mosley opting out is a pretty big deal. Now, you could look back and you could say, well, Mosley barely played last year and the Jets still had a great run defense. How much do they really miss him? And that might be a valid point, but I think that there are two counters to that. Number one is... I think the Jets are probably going to play a tougher schedule this year. You never know how tough the schedule is going to be in the NFL at the start of the year. So I kind of laugh when people say, oh, it's going to be a tough schedule. Because you don't know who the good teams are going to be. You don't know who the bad teams are going to be. They change every year. Every year there are like like half the playoffs turnover. Half the teams that make the playoffs miss the playoffs a year before. A lot of teams that were good last year are bad this year. That said, the Jets had five games against the bottom five teams in the league last year. So... It's unlikely that's going to happen. All of this is to say that for the Jets' defense to have the same level of success in 2020 that it had in 2019, the defense is probably going to have to play at a higher level than it, than it did last year. So that's why losing Mosley is a loss. But also, last year the Jets did have Jamal Adams, and losing Jamal Adams is also a pretty big loss. Now, Williamson cannot replicate everything Jamal Adams did but he can help as a run stopper. And I still think the Jets are pretty good up front. I've seen some uh, people list their interior defensive linemen as kind of a middle-of-the-pack unit, and I think that that's kind of underrating them. I think that this is a pretty good defense, interior defensive line that the Jets have. I think they have some good run stoppers, but I think Williamson's going to help this team. I think Avery Williamson over the last month has become more valuable to this team, 
And I think that any chance of, I shouldn't say any chance because I don't know, maybe maybe there will be a surprise cut, but I think it, it's much less likely that Avery Williamson gets cut than it was a month ago. I expect Avery Williamson to play out the season with the Jets, and you know, we'll see what happens on that front. And then you also get Ryan Griffin off the physically unable to perform list. And I, look, I've been pretty vocal that Ryan Griffin, I think people overrate what Ryan Griffin brought to the table a year ago. But I do think that this is a big deal from this standpoint. First of all, the Jets have a very thin group at wide receiver. And second, they've suffered injuries in training camp. Denzel Mims uh, with a hamstring injury. And Prashad Perryman uh, sat out Sunday's practice with a knee injury. They think it's minor. They think he'll be back pretty soon. Vincent Smith out for a month or two after core surgery. So at some point, Griffin becomes a viable option to see more playing time. You know, at, at some point, your wide receiver group becomes so thin that you have to look at playing two tight end packages more with uh, Griffin and Chris Herndon on the field at the same time. And people are talking about, about it being an incredibly dynamic duo. Well, I think Herndon's dynamic. I think Herndon can threaten the deep part of the field. So he brings something to the table. I think Griffin's more of just a short outlet kind of guy. But at this point, I mean, when the Jets are bringing in Chris Hogan, in the middle of training camp and Jeff Smith and all due respect to Jeff Smith, but he's seeing first team reps. I mean, at some point Ryan Griffin just becomes a more viable option to play than these guys. So that's a big deal. Um, And I think for both of these guys, again, both of these guys have become more valuable as training camp has gone on uh, since the start of the new uh, football year. I think, I think both of these players have seen their value increase quite a bit over the, the last few weeks. Uh, Daniel Brown, I don't think is as big of a deal, uh, but you know it's good to have him back. At least another uh, body for depth in training camp, and that's some, so. At least the Jets got some good news over the weekend uh, on the injury front, and there was some more bad news. I mentioned Brashad Perryman, Chuma Edoga also dealing with a calf injury. Now Edoga is not going to be a, a starter this year, but I do. I am. I do have hopes for Doga to become a quality swing tackle, and that could be a pretty important role on your football team. So hopefully he will not be out too long. We'll, we will monitor that situation. But ahead on our show, we're going to talk to Hall of Famer Curtis Martin. Again, Curtis was part of a Pepsi initiative to help one fan build the ultimate tailgating experience at home. We're going to have a great discussion with Curtis ahead here on the Locked On Jets podcast. Erectile dysfunction is not easy to talk about. But it is easy to talk about with Roman, with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. And if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. Locked On Jets podcast here on a Monday. Joining us now is Hall of Fame running back Curtis Martin. So just for starters, uh, what are you up to today? Um, well, i put it this way. You know, Pep- Pepsi, uh, they were doing something that I thought was very unique for um, a longtime loyal Jet fan. And I thought it would be uh, interesting to just get in touch with them or to send them a message. And so I created a, a video message, mainly just thanking them for being such longtime 
uh, loyal Jet fans, you know, through the good and through the bad. And oftentimes I think that the fans are overlooked and they're not shown the appreciation, you know, even though as players down there on the field, we, we really appreciate having the fans in the stands. And I'm sure it'll make a difference for the players this year. But when you come out of that tunnel and the fans are yelling and roaring and everything, it does something to you emotionally as a player and something to you mentally as a player. So I just thought that it was really unique the way that Pepsi uh, are, is showing appreciation to the fans with this home gate tailgating party where, I mean, they really like tricked up these, the, you know, these people's front yards. I mean, there's parking spaces and a jet plane and a field goal post and an end zone and screens everywhere. And so I just think that it's a, a really unique way to honor the fan for being a fan. So that was, that's why it was so interesting to me. And I, I, I wanted to reach out to the, to them. Can you talk a little bit about what the fans meant to you back when you were a player? Yeah. I mean, so for me, uh, it was somewhat my reputation, but it was more my character that was always engaged with the fan. Um, I'm not the type I, you, you won't, you won't see me on a lot of commercials or anything like that, because for me, it was never about the money. It was more so, um, about just showing the fans that I appreciate that they appreciate what I do. And so I, I don't take things like that for granted. You know, uh, I feel very blessed to have fans and anytime that I get a chance to show them that they're appreciated, you know, most fans will tell you that their interaction with me is very pleasant because I have such a great deal of respect for fans. And so um, uh, when I was playing, you know, whether it was after a two a day practice and I was tired, I would still go over to the fans and, and sign autographs for sometimes up to an hour or two hours. Um, sometimes I would miss lunch because I was signing autographs. And so I, I say all that to say that I think the fan is an important part of the game. And again, I'm, I, I, I think that it's a very good thing that Pepsi is honoring these fans uh, with this home gate party. So what are you up to these days? Oh, well, I'm just running all my businesses now. I mean, one of the things that I did when I was playing was because, you know, I made it known football wasn't always my first love. And I saw football as a vehicle so that I can impact people's lives for the better. And so ever since I was a rookie, I made a commitment to give 12 to 15% of every check I ever received uh, to charity or some type of philanthropic endeavor. And now with all my businesses that I either own or own part of, I give 20 to 25% of everything because, um, you know, to me, that's what life is about. And I think when you do it in a very responsible, wise way, uh, it just makes life better. And, and so that's what I'm doing. You know, I'm running businesses and I'm trying to impact people's lives in a positive way. Do you still follow the NFL? Uh, yes, yes, I do. I probably follow the NFL now that I'm not playing more so than I ever did because I, I was never the fan who would sit in front of the TV and watch games all the way, you know, from the beginning to the end. I was more so that guy who might watch the highlights on the news. But since I've retired, I've become more of a fan of the game. Are you still a Jets fan? Oh, yeah, yeah. Jets fan first. Patriots fan second. 
<laughs> oh, that's quite a duo. Uh, so what do you think of the current Jets team? I think they're a good team. I think they're growing, and I think they'll continue to grow. But I'm expecting definitely improvement from last year, and I'm, I'm hoping for a playoff run. I think they have the pieces in, in, in place. You know, I, I, you know I, I didn't want them to lose Jamal Adams, but, you know, these types of things happen, you know, in, in the game. And you just have to, you know, pick up the pieces and, and keep moving. Uh, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I know and feel confident that the Jets will do that. And I think they'll have a, a better season. And, and they have a quarterback that I think is really special. And I think he's coming into his own. And from year to year, I, you know, I think we'll all see improvement from him. So I'm looking for him to have a pretty good year this year also. Now, let me ask you to put on your analyst hat a little bit and – Tell me, how, how do you think if Curtis Martin played in the NFL of 2020, how he would fit in? So the way I was is every year I would just figure out how to get better. I think that's why the second half of my career was just as, if not even stronger than the first half of my career. Um, but one of the things that I would do is think about and study what I can do better every year. I think that if I was in today's game, I would – try my best to become as close to a wide receiver as possible because I think that that's the way the running back position has shifted. I would also want to continue to be that every down back. You know, when I played, you know, I played first, second, third, and fourth down. So I would want to do that, but I would want to add to my repertoire uh, the ability to be that much more of a dangerous receiver out of the backfield. How would it impact you in the locker room to see a situation like uh, the way things played out with Jamal Adams? How, how do you think the guys in the locker room view what happened? Well, you know something? What's interesting is that those types of situations become more of an issue for the fans and for the public and the media than it does for the players because it's almost like an unwritten code that you know, you don't talk about a person's contractual situation or the money they make or whatever it, it, it may be. Um, you understand that there is a business aspect to professional sports. And uh, it's not for you to necessarily, necessarily judge or comment on what someone else is going through because you can either be hurting that or damaging that person's opportunity, you know, to have a, a better situation for themselves. And so I'm sure a lot of the guys didn't want Jamal to go. He wasn't just a great player. I think he was a great leader. And so, um, but these things happen and you just understand that this is the way the business of the NFL goes sometimes. Not just the NFL, but professional sports. It's just the way it works. When you look back at your career uh, all these years later, what are you most proud of? What am I most proud of? Um, what I'm most proud of is that I believe that I overachieved on what I set out to do. And just to explain that very quickly, um, you know, my story is that I didn't want to play football. I was literally forced to play football because my mother was afraid that I would either get in trouble or end up dead like a lot of my friends because I grew up in one of the most violent neighborhoods in the country. And so my mother forced me to do something. Football was just the most natural thing. And 
even when the day when they called me to draft me, I really didn't want to commit to it, but I just did it because I knew it would be very dumb to not accept a chance to play in the NFL, but I didn't want to do it. And so I said to myself, you know what? This is the opportunity to do all those other things I want to do. And football is just that vehicle for me to do it. And so I approached football like it was a business and like it was a vehicle. Yet I put my heart into it every single day because in my mind, the more yards I gained, the more touchdowns I scored, the more doors it would open for me to expand my businesses as well as my charity and the more lives it would allow me to impact. And so what my career was for me has positioned me to do all the business that I'm doing and to do all the charity and to impact the lives that I'm impacting. And there's been so many times that I've been able to literally save lives and I wouldn't trade that for the world. I mean, that's, that's the NFL. The NFL is more than just a sport. I mean, it's a platform that can help you do so many different things if you use it the right way. Do you miss playing? No. I don't, I don't really miss playing. Um, when my career was over, the good thing about it is that I knew that I gave it my all, you know, and I, I find that in life, when you give something your best and you know that you consistently do that, when it's over, you don't really have too many regrets or you don't want to go back and do anything over. And for me, I just miss it that much less because I know that I couldn't have given football any more than what I gave it. And so um, I walked away uh, very uh, proud of my career and happy that I had the opportunity and the privilege to play in the NFL. And my last question is just, uh, you. I, I will tell you, you are probably the most beloved figure in the Jets fan base among uh, Jets fans I speak with. And I just wanted to give you a chance to uh, send a message to your fans. Uh, well, from a fan standpoint, I, I don't think the fans understand sometimes the impact that they have on a player collectively and individually, because there were certain fans that I met my rookie year that I'm still in touch with who have my personal number and I have their numbers and I know their entire family and we have a really good relationship now. And so fans, you know, they're an extension of the game. And I, the one thing that I would want every fan of Curtis Martin and of the Jets to know is that I sincerely appreciate them, you know, and uh, I, I appreciate that they're still fans because there's so many times where you don't want to do something. Uh, I, I'll never forget, and I'll just tell you this one example. It was our first home game that we played when I left the New England Patriots and came to the New York Jets, and I was severely injured, so I wasn't having a good year up to that point. And I started the game and fumbled the ball twice. The first two times that I touched the ball, I fumbled the ball. And I'll never forget the pressure from the boos and the fans. And, and, and I respected that because they should have been booing me. The, 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 you know, I, I shouldn't have fumbled the ball twice. But it really helped me to focus at a level that I had never focused in my entire life before. 
and I ended up finishing that game, scoring the winning touchdown. I think I scored a couple of touchdowns and had like 140-something yards. And that just taught me such a life lesson, and it taught me how to persevere. And so I think the fans play a bigger role in the players' lives than what they may notice, and I just want them to know that um, not only myself, but we're all appreciative of that. That's our show for today. Thank you for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. If you enjoy this show, subscribe to it on your favorite podcast source. We will deliver new episodes to you each morning as they're posted. And please leave the show a good review. Hope you have a great Monday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Jets.